Good day and thanks so much for joining us on a frank conversation. Today we're talking about Black misandry. Here to help me out with this topic, Kristen Farmer. Kristen is a uh, grief recovery recovery specialist. I'll get it together. Black maternal health expert and spiritual life coach. How you doing today, Kristen? I'm doing well, Frank. How are you? Oh, I'm doing well. You know, we connected some time ago um, through our, our equal affinity for our community. So we're keeping that going because you had something on your Instagram page and you were talking about misandry, but you specified what type of misandry you were talking about. First of all, for the folks out there, can you tell us what misandry is? Well, misandry is the prejudice, dislike, or hate, or men. But you put black in front of it. I put black in front of it because um, I think on social media, we see a lot about misogyny because there has been a highlight of the feminist movement. And so there's a lot of talk about the dislike or prejudice against women which I agree there is a lot of that, but what we never really talk about and touch on is that same prejudice and hate for black men within our society. Right, right. And so you yourself are a mother, you have a son. So this is obviously, uh, you know, a topic that, that concerns you not simply because you have a son, but because, um, you know, you have men in your family, friends and whomever you're, you're married as well. So this, this strikes a chord with you in so many different ways, but why this, how did this come up on social media? Cause you went in. <laughs> well, I've held this view for some time and I think that it sort of, you know, escalated and maybe pushed me to a point to actually speak out on it because I do have uh, black sons because I have a blended family in between my husband and I, we have four sons all together. And I think that a part of our conditioning within our community um, really is to have sort of this dislike or this hate for black men and it's in a subconscious. It's, it's not even something that we realize that we hold, you know, including myself as a, as a black woman, I have had to check myself, check my own prejudice against, you know, black men and sort of this expectation that we have of men that has sort of been set by this patriarchy because of this patriarchal society that we live in it seems that we are trying to hold our black men to a same standard as white men, though black men haven't had the same uh, privileges um, as white men. And so we end up holding this disdain for them because we have these expectations of them to, you know, be the worker man, make all of the money, go out here and, you know, protect and do all of these things. But black men are hunted as well in this society. Black men have higher rates of incarceration, um, are least likely to be employed. You know, there are a lot of barriers that black men in particular face. You know, black women uh, actually have the highest level of education of anyone, you know, within the United States. And so there is sort of this uh, push where we look down on our black men because we feel like they don't have the ability to help or support us in the way that we would like them to. And that dates back to slavery. I was going to ask you that, you know, um, you touched upon this just a couple moments ago. 
subconsciously this happens. So maybe you don't realize that you're doing it because it is so normalized, or or would you say that is the reason why it's happening and we don't realize it's happening? Um, it's happening because we we don't realize it. We don't recognize it because, you know, a lot of Black women, you know, do come from households, including myself, comes from a household that had an absent father. But my father was absent because he was incarcerated, you know, and from the time that I was a little child. And so it took some time, you know, when he was out to start to rebuild that relationship. But I held sort of this um issue with him within my heart or subconsciously, you know, not knowing. And so not having that um, black male figure to grow up with, then that certainly affects how we show up within our uh, romantic relationships as well. And the expectations that we have out of the men that we are in romantic relationships. It was projected upon other, other males that you encountered. Absolutely. And it works the other way around. So for those black men who don't have great relationships with their mothers, you know, for example, which black women and black mothers have everything to do with with this black male hate, um, you know, that is also reflected and can be projected uh, from a man onto a woman, um, which, again, then makes her not hold this man or men in high regard, period, because of experiences that she may have had. I was going to ask you how we got here. You alluded to slavery, right? And um, so quite literally and figuratively in terms of how we arrived at this point, what do you make of that when you say it goes all the way back to slavery? Yes. Yeah, so uh, one of our scholarly sisters, uh, Shahara Arzai Ali, I want to make sure I say her name right, Shahara Arzai Ali, um, and she's wrote several books. She's like um, a, a G in, in the black, woman, <laughs> black man relationship, you know, game. And, and this was back in like the 80s and 90s when she was, you know, talking about how uh, black women subconsciously you know, hold uh, men, the black men accountable for not preventing them or rescuing them from slavery, right? Because, you know, prior to slavery, we had our own culture, customs, you know, family dynamic that was intentionally stripped away and broken up you know, from us. And so the relationship that the black men had with black women certainly changed and they were no longer in a position to be the protectors, you know, of the, of the, the black women and the, and the black slaves. And so, you know, she talks about how that has subconsciously manifested itself into um, us not having respect for black men, you know, because we're like, well, psh, you didn't, you didn't help us, you know, you, you let us, you know, uh, have to be raped and, you know, and beaten and our children taken away from us. And so it has created this broken dynamic, you know, between the black woman and, and the black man. And it really shows up again in how black mothers parent their sons as well, because the other piece to it is that during slavery, black women shielded their sons to spare their lives so that they wouldn't be lynched, you know, so that they would not be killed, so that they would not be raped. And so black men were not taught to stand up and who they are, they were taught to shrink so that they wouldn't be seen by, you know, white America or the masters and to protect them. And so because of that, you know, there is sort of this, um, 
I don't want to say lack, but it is this, this ability to sort of not show up fully as who you are, you know, as a black man, because you fear that you might, you know, be looked at or singled out or, uh, really present yourself in danger, which is why when we see this dynamic between the police and black men, this is what happens, right? Because then, you know, black men are at risk for being arrested and jailed and killed, you know, at the hands of uh, police. You know, um, I find it interesting you say uh, that we must shrink ourselves in certain circumstances. Um, and so I, I, I can definitely vouch for going into certain environments, former jobs where I felt like I, I had to more or less kill those parts of myself that appear too big to be accepted by colleagues. It just wasn't enough. It wasn't socially acceptable for me to be all of myself. Yeah. And to push back on this, because I know there are voices out there that are going to say, wait a minute now, Kristen, that was way back when, when you referenced slavery. But you know what? Many of those uh, ideals and, and approaches are handed down generation to generation, no differently than we pick up an accent um, or we learn to walk or we, we learn anything in life, right? Some of that stuff is also passed down cellularly, is it not? It definitely is. I mean, there is a such thing as emotional DNA. Um, and, you know, we are our ancestors. And, and we also have to remember that, you know, at the time that this country became established, black people were not considered to even be human beings, right? And so all of the systems that we currently operate in were created at that time. And so, you know, there is an evolution of what that looks like today, but those main principles and foundations still remains. And so some of those same um, attitudes or ways of thinking or, you know, ways of being and showing up in the world still exist. It just looks different. Right. And, and so because of that, you know, we have carried a lot of these um, issues along with us over the last four, five, six you know, generations counting back. How do you encourage your husband and your sons to be all of who they are? How does that work? Have you uh, found them shrinking themselves and you've said, oh no? Yeah, you know, absolutely. That comes with freedom, right? Um, that, that comes with uh, realizing that you are a sovereign being, you know, that you do not have to shrink. You know, I, I'm certainly a proponent of, of freedom. You know, I, I took my son out of school. I, I homeschooled him for, you know, for some time, you know, because there are just things that I fundamentally do not agree with and how this society um, operates and how it operates, particularly for African-American people. And um, we have to, you know, realize that we have ownership over our lives and over ourselves. And we do not have to conform to anything that doesn't agree with us spiritually. You know, so anything that doesn't agree with me spiritually, I don't do it, you know, and I, I just won't do it. And so, you know, I certainly have had to encourage um, my sons, you know, and my husband 
you know, who he was already, already on this trip because he, you know, have experienced a lot of, uh, of black male hate. And I have witnessed him, you know, uh, experience this. And this was a part of the reason why I became vocal about it, you know, because I had witnessed from a very personal level, you know, uh, the, the black, the hate that black women give to black men. And it's absolutely, um, is so disheartening. It has really broken my heart. Had, he, had your husband gotten to a point where he almost accepted the hate because it was so normalized? Like this is par for the course? Yeah, I think that it's, it's something that black men learn to accept. They don't like it. But what ends up happening is a lot of times it shows up like, you know, when I, uh, because I am a black maternal health expert and I worked, uh, you know, I founded Birth and Beautiful Communities. And one of the studies that we had did and what we show and what we know is that like domestic violence is higher when a woman is pregnant, right? You know, it's this sort of constant reminder that you have these duties and these responsibilities and you have to make this money and you have to do this and you have to do that. Although the society doesn't support you in doing that, right? Because you're more likely to be jailed, incarcerated, then you're coming out of jail and you don't have a way to make a living and, and provide for yourself unless you go um, into business yourself. And so that is what I encourage into into in moving to that direction. Because as long as you are dependent upon society to make a wrong or right, you will be waiting forever. So tell me about this calling our, our sisters in rather than calling them out. What does that mean? You know, what does that look I like? No, if there, I don't know what that looks like, Frank, because I've just been calling people out. <laughs> <laughs> you calling people out? I never got that from you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't, here's the thing. I have spent most of my career in service, right? And so I understand, and I do know what calling in looks like. Calling in looks like, oh, let me love on you. Let me support you. Let me nurture you. Come on in. Let me pat your head and, you know, and help you navigate and move through, you know, this thing. But unfortunately we have been so conditioned, you know, um, that to, to the, the, the mean, this world is mean, you know, and it's like, we have been conditioned, you know, to accept that and, and, and accept that, um, that's how people should treat us or talk to us. So sometimes, you know, you got to talk hard to people, you know, you got to just talk hard to them and just be real with them and speak to them in a, in a way that they understand, you know, not being doggish, not cursing them out. You know what I mean? But you might have to throw a couple words in there to say, Hey, you know, you got to get, you got to get it together, you know? And that's what really worked very well. I would say with, with birth and beautiful communities is the fact that, you know, we as black women, we were talking to black women as clients. And so, I mean, we didn't use curse words or anything like that, but we would have to talk to them, sister girl, like meet people where they are. Listen, sister. Yeah. You know, you, you have, you have to, because I'm not sure that you, it works to just call people in. You have to call people out because you have to like make people uncomfortable because as long as we feel that's where the change happens, that's where the change happens. So you have to make people uncomfortable. You have to challenge them to, to think because a part of this is that we lack critical thinking ability because that's not what our schools teach us. Right. And so we, and I always tell my sons, like, I'm not here to teach you what to think. I'm here to teach you how to think, because if you know how to think, you can critically think 
your way in and out of anything. But that's something that our society, you know, lacks. So I push people to think critically about issues. So what are these, tell me what these conversations have looked like with other women, because it's so much easier for us to share this information through this medium, right? Because I'm, I'm sitting with Chris today. I, I, I mean, she said it. She's saying this is what is being talked about by her friends and other women she's encountered. But me alone, I, I mean, I might run into a lot more pushback with no one really looking to agree with me regarding Black misandry. So what did these conversations look like um, for you and, and talking to other women? And have they, have some of the women at least admitted, you know what, you're right. Or you know what, no, I don't buy it. Um, I think it's been like a mixed bag, a mixed bag. I think it's been a mixed bag, but I've seen more women supporting it, sort of taking a step back and saying like, hey, I wonder if I have acted out on that, you know, before too. Let me re-examine what is my relationship like with my father? What is my relationship like with my brothers, you know, my uncles and the men in my life? What have I learned by what I have been taught or seen? Because media and society um, certainly makes you fearful of black men. Um, it, it makes it makes you think of black men in a way in which black men in reality don't really exist, you know? And, and so we have sort of this confused view of, of what we think of and what a black man is supposed to be and supposed to do. Um, you know, I primarily talk to black mothers, you know, when I, I used to do a series uh, called Parenting Boys, um, when I was uh, kind of on my earlier days at, uh, at Birth and Beautiful, where I talked about how important it is as a Black woman to model Black womanhood for her son. I mean, it's very important for daughters as well, too, but it's very important for boys in particular because a mother is a, a, a boy's first, uh, what my son's father used to say, is his first girlfriend, you know, so to speak, in the sense that she is who lays the foundation of what womanhood is. She is his first model for that. And so if you break your son's heart, you know, you're, you know, he's going to have trouble, you know, with how he interacts with, with women. And so that's a very, very important responsibility. And like on my video, I say, you know, we end up raising the boys who become men that we hate. So, you know, we have to be intentional about raising boys into the men that we love, which means that it's important as the black mother to be the role model, you know, to what womanhood is she has to demonstrate that now if she's a loving caring nurturing mom then great you know what he'll do he'll grow up and he'll he'll expect nurturing loving caring women in his life and and if a woman is not that way then he won't deal with her right he'll be able to recognize it right off the bat to say oh no you're not somebody i should be involved with but if she breaks his heart his mother and she's abusive if she has issues if she's promiscuous, all of those things, then his picture of a woman is that. And that might turn him off from, you know, he might be abusive to black women. You know, he might decide that he doesn't want to be with black women at all. He might decide that he doesn't want to be with women, period, at all. You know, so it's a very delicate and important 
relationship between a black mother and her black son. It's extremely important because then that sets the tone for how he shows up in the world for any other woman that he interacts with. You know, this is a completely different podcast, but it also raises some questions in terms of white mothers of black boys and trying to make sure that, you know, we don't perpetuate misandry in that regard as well. Um, you know, this splinters so many different directions, but this is also a form of Black Lives Mattering, is it not? I mean, it is. I, I don't get attached to these movements <laughs> at all because, you know, I am certainly a, a person of um, of action and I, you know, the words don't really matter to me. You know, I, I think that we have to make a push. If we're not talking about building an economic infrastructure for black people, I don't think any of it really matters. You know what I mean? Because a, a part of that is, um, a big part of why we don't have a lot of power in our society to change the things that we want to change. So what I'm talking to you about, for instance, should be something that is taught very early on and is, is taught before or during a, a time where a woman is becoming a mother and you need money to be able to fund those types of programs and educational supplements and things like that. You know, so there's a lot of work that we have to do and it starts with the economics and we can scream you know, Black Lives Matter, um, you know, all we want. But a lot of times these agendas or, t or, um, or movements are very much a part of the problem. Well, Kristen, you have uh, never ceased to stretch my imagination and compassion. I cannot thank you enough uh, for speaking with us today about Black misandry. And, I, you know, I keep thinking about this Frederick Douglass quote, it being easier to build strong children than repair broken men, but we can't keep breaking the men. We're trying to grow into something bigger than they started, right? Absolutely, and I, and I love that quote, and that's why it starts with uh, the Black mothers. We have, to, um, we have to redefine what Black motherhood is um, and that relationship between Black mothers and Black sons in particular and, and black mothers and black daughters that's a whole other thing i got a series about that surviving toxic mothering <laughs> but but and that's for women but for for black men this is sort of my uh series or my my talk about how black motherhood and black boys we have to get that together well it's right on time and i can't thank you enough for your time and thank you all for joining us today on a frank conversation until next time have a good one <laughs>